When you hear the phrase long-term care, what comes to mind? Do you picture a nursing home with dreary hallways, sad food, stale smells? If that's the only thing you know about long-term care, I wouldn't be surprised if you resisted this entire topic. I'm grateful that you've even listened this far. But I hope that you stick around because long-term care covers a wide range of options, and the best way to ensure that you have choice and that you get the kind of care you need in the kind of place you want is to plan ahead. Even more than that, the overwhelming majority of us are going to need it at some point because we're all living longer. That's the message of today's guest, Matt McCann. He's a leading specialist in long-term health care and a nationally known speaker on long-term care issues overall. He's also the publisher of LTC News, the leading consumer-focused website providing information, tools, and resources on aging, caregiving, health, long-term care, and retirement planning. I talked with Matt about what options there are for long-term care and what kind of planning we need to do now in order to be prepared for that. Bottom line, all this is best done way before you need it. I think you're going to get a lot out of my conversation with Matt. I certainly learned a bunch, and I added a few things to my own to-do list. So whether you're thinking about care for yourself in the future or for someone else right now, this is going to be a rich conversation for you. Hello, and welcome to Dying Kindness, the podcast for people who are going to die someday. I'm Sienna Stewart, and I'm going to die someday. I've cared for people as they've died and have supported grieving friends, both emotionally and practically. I've seen the impact that death has on the people left behind, and how much worse that experience is when the grief is complicated by having to deal with a messy legal, financial, or physical aftermath. I don't want to do that to the people I love when I eventually die. And I don't want you to either, because, spoiler alert, you are going to die someday too. So let's all do what we can to make key decisions now in order to be kinder to the people we'll leave behind. That's a dying kindness. Before I dive into the interview, a little housekeeping. If you've had difficulty getting going on your death binder, you should join us for Binder Dash. It's an online workshop plus co-working session to support you getting the essentials done. Go to dyingkindness.com to learn more and to register. Also on that site, you'll find links to books that I've read and recommend to support you in all phases of the dying kindness process. Head over to dyingkindness.com for all the things. Okay, now on to my interview with Matt McCann. Hi, Matt. Welcome to Dying Kindness. I am so happy to be here. Fantastic. I'm really happy to have you here. This is a topic that we have been wanting to cover for a long time, and I'm excited that you have a really expansive uh, experience and everything with long-term care. Before we dive into the, the body of this interview, I wonder if you could introduce yourself and uh, say your name and how, how you got into this and, and a little bit about uh, something to just let us get to know you. Well, uh, my name is Matt McCann, um, and I had no clue back in 1998 that I would get into long-term care insurance and aging and caregiving. That was not at all on my radar. 
Unfortunately, my mom at age 59 went through a series of health events which led her to full-time long-term health care, assisted living, nursing home, home care. And that kind of changed everything. And I have been involved in the long-term health care industry since that time, um, both as uh, an agency selling long-term care insurance nationwide um, and as publisher of LTC News. LTCnews.com is the one of the leading websites, consumer-focused uh, websites on aging, caregiving, uh, health-related long-term care issues. So my life kind of went upside down instead of playing the hits on the radio, which is what I did years ago on the radio, playing all the hits over and over and over again until you want to uh, think about dying. Um, <laughs> I end up doing this. And uh, interesting enough, long-term health care uh, is what happens uh, before we die. And what we have found out is over the years now, because of advances in medical science, even the dying process lingers. And we think of hospice sometimes as being a few days, sometimes a week. And now that hospice period is even extending even more. So it's an issue, not just in the United States and worldwide. It's really become a, a problem for families and, of course, uh, people's assets that have to pay for this care that we end up needing. It's funny that you use the word problem right there, because I think for many, many people, they think, oh, extending my life and keeping me around and all of this, like that, that's all a good thing, right? But you're pointing up that there's something that we need to pay attention to that's actually not so easy and rosy. We like say more about what makes it a problem. Well, you know, if you don't die, you live. And you can quote me on that. Um, <laughs> and if you live, you get older. If you don't recover from a health event and you don't die, the only thing left is long-term care. And what many families are unaware until they are in crisis is that health insurance, including Medicare and Medicare supplements, if you're over 65, will not pay for most long-term health care services. And once someone needs care, you can't go out and buy insurance. And I know this, this upsets some people, but think of it this way. If your house is on fire and you don't have homeowner's insurance, could you call State Farm and buy homeowner's insurance? What would they do? What would they tell you? They would tell you, you know what? After you rebuild, give us a call and we'll insure your new home, right? Because mm. what would you charge? If you know you're going to end up giving an individual 50, 60, 70, $100,000 a year, and there's no if, you're going to have to charge more than that, right? If you're an insurance company. So planning becomes essential because otherwise the crisis falls on families and finances. Mm. Often the job becomes a, a caregiver role for a daughter or daughter-in-law. Those caregivers, those family caregivers are usually untrained and unprepared. What we call today the sandwich generation. So you have a, a usually a woman, not all the time, but usually a woman who has a career, may have a spouse and children, 
that they're trying to juggle all those responsibilities with that of being a caregiver. Mm -hmm. To say it's not easy is an understatement. So when we think about what's going to happen as we get older, we, we know we have to plan for retirement. But you know what? We can't deny death, but for whatever reason, we tend to deny long-term care. And long-term care certainly is what happens often before we die. And that becomes just the consequences are just tremendously physical, emotional, and financial. Mm -hmm. So it's a problem. Yeah, yes, absolutely. I want to rewind a little bit and just get get down into some definitions. Like what is meant by long-term care and what are the conditions physically, like some details about the sorts of things that are included in that phrase long-term care or the health conditions that you've referenced a couple of times that might bring up the need for long-term care. When we talk about long-term health care, we're primarily talking about what we call custodial care. And that is best defined as one of two different things, either help with what we call activities of daily living. Uh, those are all the things we kind of take for granted today that we had to learn how to do as an infant, you know, eating, bathing, dressing, going to the bathroom, moving from point A to point B. All those things we take for granted today that at some point, either due to an illness, declining health in general, uh, mobility problems, or even, you know, dementia that we need help and assistance with. Um, you know, with dementia, uh, which is the other part of custodial care, that means supervision. Uh, we may be able to do our activities of daily living, but we can't do those safely without someone supervising us. Unfortunately, when most people think long-term care, they think of a nursing home. I don't know about you, but mm -hmm. I don't want to go to a nursing home. Do you want mm -hmm. to go to a nursing home? No, yeah, no one wants to don't. go to a nursing home. Mm -hmm. Luckily, most long-term health care is not delivered in a nursing home. Most long-term health care is custodial, which is the help with the activities of daily living or supervision. And that can be all types of home care, be it skilled, semi-skilled, or homemaker and companionship services. Do you know what adult daycare is? I don't. Tell me. You know what child care is, right? I do. You do. Adult yeah. daycare is the same thing, mm -hmm. only for us, you know, older people. Okay. But it, it's a great way that it's really exploded nationwide and quite frankly, worldwide as a way to allow someone to avoid going to a facility on a full-time basis. So during the day, we get dropped off when we have the most needs. There's social activities. There's attention to our health and well-being we get dropped off at home at night when our needs are less. So long-term care insurance will cover home care. It covers adult day care. And of course they, they take your you know, money out of your back pocket too. You don't have to, you know, pay out of your savings if you want to, uh, but that's available. So it sounds like for just for a pause on that, the, uh, the adult day care sounds like an option for people who want to be able to stay in their homes, but also if their caregivers like need a break during the day or just they, they, you know, can't do 24 hour supervision for whatever reason, say somebody like me, because I'm actually a caregiver living with my elderly aunt, but I also need to be able to leave during the day. So that's a situation for something like an adult daycare, and that would be covered by long-term care insurance? Absolutely. You just defined respite care. 
Uh, Respite care is temporary relief of an informal, usually unpaid caregiver. And often families in crisis, family caregivers, they have to get out and do their own personal errands, if not other stuff, right? What do you do with mom, dad, aunt, uncle, whomever that you are taking care of? They still need the help. So adult daycare can be used on a temporary basis when that informal caregiver needs a break. Whether you're paying for it out of pocket, whether insurance is paying for it, it really is a wonderful opportunity that the care recipient gets the quality care they need and deserve while giving that family informal caregiver a break. And it keeps someone at home longer as opposed to being put into, whether it be assisted living, memory care, or a nursing home. Cool, cool. And is there also a system, I mean, I've heard about systems for having somebody come into the home, you know, for like just the daytime, maybe just as companionship, not just only for skilled nursing kind of situations. Is that also part of a long-term care plan? Yeah. Most long-term care is custodial, and you define just custodial care, which is just help with simple things uh, or simple supervision. There are people that need skilled services, more medical-related, but luckily, most long-term care is custodial, and the good thing about that is you have more care options available where most skilled care has to be done in a nursing home. Uh, as opposed to custodial care, which can be delivered in any environment that you want it to be delivered in. Mm -hmm. And then long-term care now does also include the, whether it's a assisted living or memory care, all that, like as, and nursing as, home. Yeah. as some it, kind of facility, is that that's it, also exactly. true? And assisted living is another uh, type of care location that has exploded uh, both in the United States and worldwide. Uh, because it's it's less institutional, and and we drive by assisted living facilities all the time now. They're just being built almost as as many Starbucks as there are assisted living facilities these days. And I understand there's some Starbucks in assisted living facilities, <laughs> you know. So there you go. Um, but it's more like being at home. You have an apartment. Uh, couples can stay together even if one is completely healthy and independent. Uh, there are social activities, so there's a higher degree of, of privacy. Um, they have dining rooms, restaurants, cafes, uh, coffee shops, beauty salons. Some of them, quite frankly, are quite nice. Uh, my mom, who was in assisted living, really enjoyed it after kicking and screaming, say that she was never going to move there. Once she got there, within a few days, she became the queen of trivia. You know, <laughs> she had her friends, you know, and she liked the, you know, she loved food and there's, you know, the restaurant had a full menu and she could order what she wants. There was a kitchenette in each one of these apartments. So, you know, she could have her snacks, probably more snacks than she was supposed to have, <laughs> but that's another story for another show. But the, the point is. Long-term care is not what I think most people think it is, and it certainly is not the same as it was 20, 30 years ago. There are so many different options. Of course, the cost of these options, not cheap, not cheap at all. The problem, of course, is the number one payer of long-term health care in the United States is Medicaid. 
in order to qualify for the Medicaid long-term care benefit, you have to have little or no income and assets. Unfortunately, that's what happens is, is people need care. They pay for it out of pocket until they have nothing left. And then they end up on Medicaid. And Medicaid is never the plan or the solution for long-term health care. And of course, if you enter the Medicaid program directly, for the most part, you're being put in Medicaid facilities. There are some states that allow some kind of community care, although limited and not completely nationwide. But uh, the quality of care because of the low Medicaid reimbursements is questionable at best. Mm. So the best quality care is going to come from your back pocket, or if you happen to have long-term care insurance through the uh, funds coming from LTC insurance. So the focus of this show overall is to make plans and decisions now in order to be kinder to the people that we'll leave behind. Ideally, thinking ahead for assuming that at some point we are going to be in need of more care, that we're going to have some kind of disabilities coming our way as we age or get injured or whatever. So what are the kinds of things to think about when you're looking at long-term care insurance, what are the different options for planning ahead? And like, when should somebody do that? All good questions. Uh, but let me first, by telling you what gets in the way of oh, yeah. all that planning. Denial. Mm -hmm. It's never going to happen to me. Now, one, if you can call it a good thing, one good thing, good thing of the COVID-19 epidemic that we had, pandemic, is that nursing homes especially, and long-term care were in the news. And some of the terrible things that were happening in nursing homes, no one wants to be in a nursing home and, and Medicaid kind of gets you directly to a, a nursing home in, in most situations. But if you don't think something is gonna happen to you, you're not gonna do anything to plan for it. Unlike our death where it's gonna happen, we don't know the day or the time, but we know it's going to be happening. It's harder to deny death than disability. But it's that denial that gets in the way and the consequences of denial impact more than just you. Your entire family gets impacted. Um, I'm sure you have listeners right now that are shaking their head and they had a neighbor, they had, maybe they even had a, a direct family member that that ended up needing long-term care. And I think because of the COVID-19 crisis, we're more aware of it, but now we're in a pointing situation. You know, we're pointing to the person across the street, yeah, mm -hmm. you know, with their lifestyle, they're gonna need care. The funny thing is they're pointing right back at you. It's not gonna happen mm -hmm. to me, it's gonna happen to her. And, and that's unfortunately, I think part of the human existence is we try to deny the realities of life. And I know part of your show is kind of understanding that, you know, death is a real part of the living process. We start dying, unfortunately, the day we're born. It's biology. Mm -hmm. You know, it's to kind of depressing, I guess, to think about, but a lot of people that I talk to who end up planning for long-term health care end up after it's done feeling a whole lot better. I mean, mm. hate to be corny and say peace of mind, but that peace of mind is, is worth something. Knowing that 
if it happens, I have a plan. And my family will have time to be family as opposed to being caregivers or running around trying to figure out what to do next. That makes a lot of people feel a whole lot better. One less thing to worry about. Unfortunately, life is full of worries. We worry about everything. Got a favorite sports team. We're going to worry about whether they're going to win or lose. Okay. I was a Cubs fan. I worried about them losing until it happened in 2016, right? They won the world series. Yay. Mm -hmm. And go look at the standings. I'm back to worrying whether they win a game or not. You know, <laughs> those kind of worries are fun worries. Okay. We're not, it's not going to be the end of the world if the Cubs lose again today. Right. And you can oh, fill you said in your that favorite. out loud. Uh, yeah, it, it is what it is. Right. <laughs> But this is a little bit more serious because we have to be concerned about quality care. If yeah. you need care, you want quality care. You don't want to be stuck in a, in a room where it hasn't been cleaned in, in months and where it smells. You don't want someone that looks like they, uh, you know, uh, just uh, walked out of prison to be your home care provider, right? You want them to be nice and professional and take showers and, you know, those types of things and, and uh, not steal from you while taking care of you. So that takes money. That mm -hmm. takes money. Or it takes family who has the time and the skills and the ability to do it. But I think most people would prefer their family to be family, to be loving and supporting, not having to do the day in and day out taking care of an individual. And this is something I think a lot of people don't understand what caregiving is all about. You probably do because you're doing it. It's not just sitting with mom or dad or aunt or uncle or even a neighbor and playing canasta with them. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's helping them in and out of the bathroom, helping them shower, helping them get dressed. Um, if you're dealing with someone with dementia or Alzheimer's, it's making sure that they're safe they don't wander or turn on the stove and put their hand on it. Mm -hmm. Those are things that, that are really tough and emotional to, to think about. Yet it is reality. We can't be in denial. And to make us feel better, a plan can help accomplish that. Yes, it's quality care and asset protection and all that fun stuff. But what's the bottom line? Bottom line is we want to feel good about ourselves and our families. We want one last thing to worry about because there's never a shortage of things to worry about. There's always something. Okay. That's very true. You know, turning on the computer sometimes can be a problem. How does this stuff work? Go find a 12 year old. And I think when we think about planning, whether we plan for our eventual death and dying our obituary, I was listening to one of your recent uh, programs on just an obituary. I remember writing my dad's obituary. He was a uh, Chicago police captain. You know, he flew in World War II. There was a lot of interesting things that was in his obituary. Now, if this was video, I'm glad it's not. You can tell I've got a tear in my eye. It's emotional. It, it is. But when there is a plan in place those emotions will be more in check. And instead of being sad, they're more, I don't want to say happy, but they're more confident that 
your loved ones will be your loved ones. And you're not going to burden them financially, physically. The emotions are always going to be there, but they can be more in check when there is some kind of plan in place. Or they'd be more appropriately directed. You know, I, I feel like the idea of setting up systems and making plans and, and, you know, financially preparing for things so that, as you say, you could just be family and you don't have to spend all of your time fighting about whether or not, you know, someone's taking a shower or taking their medicines or whatever it is. And maybe it's the opportunity to just be a daughter or a niece or a son or, or whatever. Um, I think that that's really, really important because otherwise it gets all convoluted. You know, you talk about fighting. Mm-hmm. The biggest fight is between siblings. Mm. So when there's no plan in place, we talk about there being a crisis. Someone is going to have to be responsible. It's not going to be a spouse who's probably this in the same age range, if not already passed. And everyone has their jobs and their responsibilities and everyone's pointing, you do it, you do it, you do it. I'm doing more than you. It's not fair. This is real. Even if siblings have wonderful relationships, someone, one person is going to end up being responsible. Right. And they're not going to be happy about that. They may not say they're not happy about it, but they're going to be thinking in the back of their mind, I really wish my brother would help out. Mm -hmm. You know, that sister-in-law of mine, She doesn't do anything. Fill in the blanks. It'll go on and on. And, and, and when there's a plan in place, not everyone needs long-term care insurance, but everyone needs a plan. When there's a plan, a discussion about it before the crisis happens, it'll make it easier because everyone's talked about it. Mm -hmm. You know, communication is something that, that a lot of people talk about, but they don't really communicate, right? And we seem to have less communication today than we ever did before, despite all the technology, okay? We've got podcasts, we've got webinars, we've got radio, TV, we've got all sorts of communication. But does anyone really communicate? Does anyone really listen? Mm -hmm. Communication is not easy. Um, You know, one of America's biggest TV shows is a TV show called Blue Bloods. It's on CBS. Uh, It's centered about the Reagan family in New York, where uh, they're all New York City police. You know, uh, the police commissioner, Tom Selleck, plays the police commissioner. And the center of that show is their Sunday dinner. That is the thing. Everyone in the family has dinner on Sunday. And what do they do? They talk. Hmm. They don't always agree, but they talk. That is the center of their family. And it's a really good example even though it's fictional of what families should be doing. They should be talking, discussing. Doesn't mean everyone has to agree. And if you've got older parents, and when I say older parents, that discussion should happen before they're quote unquote old. 80 might be old. If you're 50 or 60, that's not old, but you should be thinking about aging and the consequences of aging well before you are sitting in that rocking chair at 82 drinking your uh, iced tea on your front porch. Those discussions should happen. Uh, The discussion should be, should we buy long-term care insurance? Do we need it? Do we have enough assets to buy insurance? If not, how do we plan? 
who's going to be the lead person responsible? If you're talking to mom or dad, what are your preferences? You know, would you want to stay in this house? Or you want to downsize? Can you really get up and down those stairs? Mm-hmm. Can you navigate that bathroom anymore? Are the safety features here now? All these things need to be discussed. And I'm sure you're sure, you know, things like living wills, which I'm sure you have talked about on your podcast, mm-hmm. probably multiple times. You do it before the crisis happens. Yep. You tell people what your wishes are. You don't talk. No one knows. Then they guess. And when you guess, you may guess wrong. These are simple things that unfortunately we need to be nudged and reminded of. And when we do, we ease the tension, we ease the stress, and everyone can live life in a much better situation than dealing with a crisis. Absolutely. And I just want to underscore that whole idea of do all of this before you need it. Like it's it's easier to have the conversation when it's theoretical and it's also much better to be able to project into the future and to have that conversation more calmly when it's not like, oh my gosh, this is an impending decision that is very frightening to me because it's happening right now and yada da, or you know, even worse, that you wait until you already have a dementia diagnosis and you're down the path of not being trusted anymore to be able to make those decisions for yourself. So you want to do while your brain is in full function, while your your mind is still clear, your body is still able to navigate, all of that kind of stuff. This is when you actually want to start talking about this. Um, so that's a just a call out like, hello, we're talking about facing our own bodies and our own lives and, and saying like, this is what I want in the future. And it, it can be a far away future. It might be a future that's like five years from now, might be like 25 years from now, but it's still something to talk about. So I love that you're bringing that forward. You may have heard this from your mom and dad. Most of your listeners probably have heard the same thing. Uh, when we were kids, they, they said, now when you get older, time's really going to speed up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Guess what? They were, <laughs> they were right. right. Okay. <laughs> I, 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 you know, I remember playing a song on the radio, 1999 by Prince, huge hit. And I remember sitting there thinking, geez, how old will I be in 1999? I just (laughs) couldn't imagine Hmm. what life would be. And all of a sudden, you know, we're past 1999. We're talking about Y2K and I'm on the air the night the, the world was going to crash. It didn't, we were fine. But, but, and then all of a sudden you, you wake up and you're 50 oh, and you're going to wake up and you're 60 and then you're 70 and then it's, you know, beginning to be too late. So when you hear those things, they're true. Time flies fast. As you get older, time goes quicker. It just does for some reason. So you don't prepare for retirement when you're 75, you, you do it when you're younger, right? You should be, if you're in your 20s, your 30s, your 40s, you should have your 401k, your 403b, your SEP, your IRA, putting money aside for the future. If you're not, shame on you, okay? You should, just part of what you should be doing. This, thinking about long-term healthcare, declining health, 
your wishes for the end all happen before, sooner than later. Because mm -hmm. once it happens, you no longer have control. Mm -hmm. I think that's a good point. Once it happens, you are no longer in control. You are dependent on other people. Right. And planning avoids dependency. You still may need help, but if you have a plan, you're in control of that. Right. You said, hey, I prefer to be at home. I want home care. We're going to pay for it this way. We're going to buy insurance. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. Mm -hmm. We're going to do a trust. You're in control. Mm -hmm. No one wants to be dependent on others. And unfortunately, that's what happens to way too many people. And that's why we have a crisis on aging worldwide. It is not just a problem in the United States. It is a problem worldwide. And uh, it costs billions and billions of dollars to pay for it. Even in countries where it is supported by the government, there's a lot of tax money, very high taxes to support all this care. And in a lot of countries, there is mandated long-term care insurance. You have to buy it. You do not have a choice. You cannot pass go and collect $200 beforehand. You must buy it now. Hmm. Matter of fact, in the United States, the state of Washington, starting in January of 2023, will install a tax on any individual age 18 and older that does not own long-term care insurance. Really? The state of California and the state of New York are in the process of enacting similar laws. Uh, Minnesota is starting that. There's about a dozen states that are looking at this because... If people don't plan, guess who ends up footing the bill? Yeah, the, the government. government does through Medicaid. And, and who they is the government? can't afford it. Mm -hmm. It's the taxpayers. It's the taxpayers. Right? That's yep. us. That's just me and you. And I don't know about you, but I don't have extra money to keep on giving state and federal government. Just don't. No one does. Everyone, mm -hmm. almost everyone has a fixed income. There's only so many pennies in a dollar. So, so that means planning is going to make it easier. You're going to be right. in control and why not do it? Why not? Absolutely. Especially since these costs are rising in your life at the exact same time that your income potential is going down or has disappeared. So it's really important to plan for it while you're actually still earning and saving so that you can, you know, sock it away and, and think ahead and all of that. The other thing, if you're buying insurance, if you're buying long-term care insurance, the, the, the premiums are based on primarily your age and health at the time you apply. Mm. So mm. the younger you are, the more affordable it is. And it is medically underwritten. So generally, do we get healthier as we get older? Not so much. No, no. Sorry, <laughs> no. you could do everything you can to be as healthy as you possibly can. And guess what? You're still going to get older. And you know, people need care sometimes just because they're frail and old. They might be healthy on paper. They're just mm -hmm. old and need help with those daily activities. Um, and that's why we have an epidemic, so to speak, of dementia. And you know, what is it? Every 60 seconds, someone in the world gets diagnosed with Alzheimer's or dementia. Yeah. Uh, it's an, not really an epidemic that you're going to catch it. We have an epidemic of people living to old ages. And that's right. the problem. Right. And, and isolation makes it worse. Um, Absolutely. I want to talk a little bit more about the insurance, um, some specifics. Like what 
are the kinds of things, if I were to go out and start shopping for long-term care insurance now, what are the sorts of things that I would want to be looking for that I should prepare? Like, how do I even start this conversation and what, do, what can I expect to find when I start looking? Uh, first off, you should understand that there's a lot of regulation on these products. Uh, Long-term care insurance is regulated jointly by the feds and each state. And for $5,000 of monopoly money, can you name the federal agency in charge of regulating long-term care insurance? You have five seconds. Oh, no. Do, I don't do, know. Do, do. Who's it going to be? The Internal Revenue Service. Really? Yes. It's the Internal Revenue Services uh, Service that regulates long-term care insurance through Section 7702B of the federal code. If you are on Jeopardy, uh, you can, you know. Remember that. All right. um, so there's consumer protections, regulated benefit triggers, and tax incentives that are available through that legislation. So you need to start off understanding that long-term care insurance is regulated by both the states and uh, the feds. That gives some people extra peace of mind. There's a number of online resources. Um, the federal government, longtermcare.gov, has some good information ltcnews.com has a lot of research uh, resource tools, including cost of care calculator. Um, uh, you need to be careful if you do internet searches because there's a lot of, um, believe it or not, there's incorrect information on the internet. I don't know if wait, you're- Wait, what? Yes. Yeah, oh. not everything on the internet is true. Oh man, okay. okay. Bigfoot does not live in your backyard. I, I know <laughs> it says it does, it, it does not. <laughs> but but anyhow, um, there are some online resources that are helped. The other thing that I would recommend, obviously, is you find a long-term care specialist. There's not a lot of those out there. There's a way on ltcnews.com to find one. You can also go to the American Association for Long-Term Care Insurance. That is aaltci.org. And there's information on there as well. I'll put all of these into the show notes. Oh, of course, of course. Yes. So uh, finding a specialist is helpful. but when you design a long-term care policy and they are custom designed, you, you select benefit levels. So unlike health insurance, basically with long-term care insurance, you're buying money and services. Uh, so you select a, a monthly or daily benefit. It's the amount of money that's available to pay for care on a daily basis or a monthly basis. Then you have a benefit account. Think of it as a pool of money. It's the initial amount of money in the policy on day one prior to any inflation benefit. And most policies have inflation benefits. So your, your benefits, not your premium, but your benefits increase over time, obviously because the cost of care goes up and up and up. So you need to keep up with that. In order to receive benefits, and this is regulated, so every policy does the exact same thing the same way. In order to receive benefits, it is your healthcare professional that certifies that you need assistance in at least two of the six activities of daily living, or you require supervision due to a cognitive impairment. Once you qualify, then you can use the benefits that you see fit, whether it be all areas and types of home care, be it skilled, semi-skilled, or homemaker and companionship services, adult daycare, assisted living, rehab, memory care, as well as your traditional nursing home. Now, when you read about long-term care insurance, everyone says it's complicated. It really isn't, it's that simple. You qualify for benefits, you get money to pay for the care. 
Um, if you have $4,000 a month and your bill's 5,000, the insurance company will pay four, you pay a thousand. If you have $4,000 a month and your bill's 3,000, they'll pay 3,000. The rest of the money stays in your benefit account. So don't overcomplicate it. And unfortunately, most financial advisors and general insurance agents, they overcomplicate it because quite frankly, they don't understand it. The other thing I think it's important that most people are unaware of and maybe the biggest retirement planning secret in the United States is the partnership program. Hmm. The partnership program in 45 states have uh, partnership programs in place provides what we call dollar for dollar asset protection, what a state bureaucrat would refer to as asset disregard. So if you exhaust all the money from a qualified long-term care insurance policy that is partnership certified, you're able to legally shelter part of your estate based on the total amount of benefits paid out by the policy and still qualify for Medicaid. In other words, think of it as a safety net that no matter what happens, you would never lose everything. So when we think of catastrophic long-term care situations, you know, the Ronald Reagan who had Alzheimer's and needed care for what, nine, 10, 11 years, there are luckily few and far between. But when they do happen, completely catastrophic. So if you have a partnership long-term care policy, no matter what happens, you will never lose everything. Certainly, of course, you know, your children and grandchildren are the ones that are gonna benefit from that, but nonetheless, you'll get the quality care and your money won't go down the drain. And in line with the entire focus of this thing, it's you taking care of those children and grandchildren. That is yes. the focus. Imagine so that. This is you actually being kind to them. <laughs> yes. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And from what I've read, the the medical bills and all of these, you know, especially at the end of life, are one of the number one causes of bankruptcy in this country. So you're pointing a path to try to avoid that as well. You have choice. You can roll the dice, hope for the best and lose, or instead plan and know that if the dice come up the wrong way, no one's going to have to worry about it. And it's literally a 50-50 risk, according to the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. If you reach the age of 65, it's like a 48.9% chance you're going to need some type of long-term health care before you die. Okay, well, when you think of other risks you face, it's pretty substantial. Okay, We insure our cars, partly because we have to, because it's the law, but nonetheless, when's the last time you total a vehicle? Mm -hmm. Probably, hopefully not too often. Doesn't happen very <laughs> often. Okay? Yep. Um, when's the last time your house burned down or was destroyed mm -hmm. by a tornado, earthquake, alien invasion, whatever. Doesn't happen that often. But when it does, it's catastrophic. But we buy that insurance. Right. Doesn't cost a lot of money because it doesn't happen that often. Mm -hmm. But long-term care is the biggest involuntary risk we face as living human beings. And forget the statistics. It's either going to happen or it's not. But it does happen. Darn so if, often. if it happens, are you going to be prepared? And is your family going to be in crisis or not? Right. You right. get to decide. So I believe that not that long-term care is not always offered through a, like an employer's benefits package. And I know that there's a lot of people, especially right now, if we've got people moving around from job to job or, you know, people like me who as a caregiver, we're no longer working full-time or whatever. Um, 
is there are there many options for long-term care to be purchased individually and not through some kind of employer benefits package most long-term care insurance is purchased individually there are very few group plans and the ones that exist cost actually more mm. than individual plans and the reason that is is because there is what we call reduced underwriting in an, in an employer situation so if you're going to reduce the health requirements to get a policy then the cost the premiums go up exactly yeah. Yeah. unlike other types of insurance where you add more people it reduces risk because long-term care risk is so high the group increases the risk so yeah it's individually bought there are tax incentives now those that are self-employed uh, or have a c-corp s-corp llc that sort of thing individual proprietor and you're driving an uber or whatever you're doing because you're self-employed long-term care insurance does become a tax deductible business expense hmm. so those that have a policy or are considering one if you are self-employed, you can deduct the premium. Um, otherwise, if you itemize and have enough medical-related deductions, you can deduct the premium that way. If you have a health savings account, an HSA, and a lot of uh, employer health plans are tied to an HSA, you can use the pre-tax money in the HSA to reimburse yourself the cost of the premium. That's great information. Wow. Outside of insurance, what are other ways that you recommend that people plan for long-term care? You know, it just in general. The big thing is communication. Mm -hmm. um, communicate with your family, what your wishes are. You know, going back to Blue Bloods on Sunday dinner, everyone get together and they yep. talk about it. Now, is it going to be a fun conversation? I always try to make everything fun, even serious topics. I just think it's just easier to deal with. Uh, not that you're making light of it, but come on. We can't be all serious and doom and gloom all the time. It's a reality. We either plan for it or we don't. I would prefer to be in charge of my mm -hmm. future and not be dependent. And I think most people would, and that requires communication. And that way your family understands your preferences. You just can't say, I'm never going to go to a nursing home. Right. Okay. Well, what's the plan? Mm -hmm. How do we prevent that? Mm -hmm. Otherwise, guess what? That's probably what is going to happen, right? Yep. Um, I think it's liberating. When you got a plan, hey, it's done. It's over mm -hmm. with. I don't have to worry about that. And I couldn't go back to worrying about more important things, like whether the Cubs are going to win today or not. <laughs> or will the bears ever win the super bowl again those are the real issues that we have to think about absolutely those are those can consume your mind that's that's a great place <laughs> to absolutely. focus it absolutely and i also want to you know remind everyone that i have a lot of like younger very healthy people that and active people that listen to this podcast and that long-term care is not only about getting old it's actually about needing any kind of care so we all know people that have gotten injured through you know, major activities or through sports that end up, you know, in a situation of paralysis or another kind of dependency that they have a lot of needs. And so I'm assuming that long-term care would also be covering that because that's long-term as well. The youngest client I had go on claim was 27 because of MS. I have people 
people who claim in their 30s, their 40s, their 50s, whether it be early onset Alzheimer's, dementia, MS, Parkinson's disease, accidents, even cancer can cause long-term care, not necessarily from the cancer, but from the treatment mm-hmm. of the cancer. Yep. Um, so certainly the risk increases as we get older, but long-term care. And we're care, seeing that now also with long-term, with long COVID, that is yeah. increasing a whole, like whole slew of people that we're not expecting to have the brain fog or, you know, not be able to do the stuff that they were able to do before to have, you know, peripheral neuropathy, that all that stuff is like, you just need some help. Oh, absolutely. It, it happens at all ages, increases as we get older. When we're younger, we typically have other financial responsibilities. You know, we're having relationships, getting married, having kids, getting jobs, not necessarily all in that order sometimes, but we we have those types of responsibilities. So most people who start looking at long-term care insurance do so in their 40s and 50s when they can still enjoy low premiums and their health is still good. But there are certain cir- circumstances people get it younger, especially business owners. You've got a lot of people that have, you know, run their own businesses. They can take the uh, care of the tax advantages. I've got older people that buy long-term care insurance for their kids as mm. a annual gift, a tax-free gift. Okay. Mm. So there's lots of ways to plan, but it starts with communication. It starts with talking and thinking about things that sometimes we'd rather not think about. But when we do, it's liberating. Absolutely. You're telling me a story previously about a family that had a history of uh, certain genetic diseases or, you know, that uh, certain hereditary diseases, I should say, that I think that that's another thing for everyone to look at. If your family has a history of something that you think, you know, can hit you younger, and that is something to plan ahead for, that you do want to have some kind of insurance, some some way to have to talked about it, to say, this is what I want, you know, that the chances are higher that I'm going to get this in your average Joe. Um, that sort of thing is, it's, it's another factor to bring in. Knowledge is power, but I would caution you this. Just because you don't have a family history Someone needing long-term care doesn't mean you won't. Medical science has advanced in the last 10, 15, 20, 25, 30 years. So we're all living longer. The problem with longevity is longevity itself. So when we talked about earlier dementia, Alzheimer's, epidemic portions, it's not because someone's catching Alzheimer's is that we're just living longer, living longer. So you can't necessarily compare yourself to previous generations, but there are hints. There are hints that you can take that knowledge and maybe motivate you to prepare. That's fantastic to know. And really, really, really important. We're going to say the same thing over and over again in this episode and other episodes, you know, planning ahead. It's the best thing. Communication is key. Thinking about this stuff doesn't actually make it happen. You know, this conversation isn't going to suddenly turn you into somebody. It's not going to curse you. It's something that is important. And if anything, it's protective. It's it's like a little warding charm, you know, go ahead and have this conversation and and protect yourself. Well, it's funny. And I know we're running out of time, but, but two quick stories, Uh, you know, sometimes I've I've talked to people and say, look, 
I buy this insurance and I'm going to go straight to a nursing home. Like it's some kind of curse. No, that, that no. doesn't happen. Okay. The second thing is I get people who say, I've got a long-term care plan. And then they take their hand in a gun type of thing and, you know, do that kind of deal where they're shooting themselves in your head. And I go, really? And I remember one guy I was talking to, this is back in the day, everything now is virtual. I talked to clients nationwide virtually, but uh, back in the day, I saw people in person. So I was sitting at their kitchen table and the guy does that, you know, the wife's rolling her eyes and I go, Fred, you're in luck. What are you talking about, Matt? I just got my uh, Smith & Wesson license. I've got samples in the truck. Let me get you a couple. You can try it out. Well, he turned white as a ghost. His <laughs> wife fell over laughing. The end result is he ended up applying for long-term care insurance. So, you know, we, we can think, oh, yeah, we're going to have one of our kids do us in. Really? You're going to expect your son and daughter to kill you off? I don't think yeah. so. It's no. not going to happen and you're not going to be able to do it yourself. So get over it, you know, mm -hmm. just plan, get it over with. And it's kind of like, you know, when you're listening to this show, probably it's like the old MDA telethon, you know, call in your pledge, right? <laughs> and you're sitting there, you're not calling in your pledge. And then the numbers are going up and all of a sudden, Oh, I'm more motivated now. Cause I want to help them get over a million dollars. Okay, well, we can't wait uh, that because if you wait that long, you may wait too late because you may be too old or your health may not qualify you for coverage. So just think that we're getting ready to break the record, start your research, start preparing, start having those conversations with your family, your friends, and do something about it. It's not that difficult. Absolutely. I love, I love you slipping into your old radio DJ moment there. <laughs> Just <laughs> prepare to call in, call in now. That's right. 591-2900, call or <laughs> 10 wins. That's right. <laughs> so we are wrapping up and before I, I let you go, I would like you to answer the question I'm now asking of all of my guests. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. In your obituary, this hypothetical obituary were you to decide to go in the next, you know, five years or so. Um, what is one thing that you really hope is included as a description of you, some way for people to get to know you better and say, dang, I wish I knew that guy. Um, not everyone's going to understand this, but I had the, the honor to work with the legendary Larry Lujak, who was a radio icon in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. And uh, I was teamed up with him. He came out of retirement and they asked me to be his co-host primarily because I grew up listening to him. So I had the ability to work with this icon, <laughs> Uncle Larry, Larry Lujak. Um, and, you know, the, the, we, we did a weekend show. Okay? one four-hour show he would call every day and he would be totally in character this is uncle lair you know my son would answer the the phone he was little and and he goes is this little joey this is your uncle lair calling i was like okay but the the guy was a radio legend 
And, you know, I did a lot of great fun things in radio, but the ability to work with someone uh, on that level uh, is absolutely probably the, the most fun thing I've, I've done and maybe not the most important thing, but it's certainly, there's not a lot of people uh, that were able to do that. And if you grew up anywhere in the Midwest, listening to either WLS or Super CFL, where he, he worked, you know of Larry Lujak if you're of a certain age. Uh, if you're young, you'll have no clue. Google it. It'll tell you all about it. You know, everyone listened to Larry Lujak. And I got to work with the guy. And he was a really nice guy. And uh, uh, that is probably... You know, I can get mushy and talk about family and all that kind of stuff. Not that that's important, but something that is unique, uh, that would probably be it. I love that. I Okay, we're going to make sure that that's included well in the future whenever you're Thank you. Mature, Thank I guess you for <laughs> clarifying that point. <laughs> Thank you so, so much for this conversation. It's been so much information and so clear and helpful and everything. Um, please tell me again where people can find you and get more information. And I know that I'm going to link all of these things in the show notes, but uh, tell us again how to find you. Yeah, my website uh, and the best way to get there that you can remember is RadioLTC.com. If you type in RadioLTC.com, it immediately goes to my website instead of trying to spell McCann. M-C-C-A-N-M, -M. just do, type in RadioLTC.com. Um, the other resource is LTC News, which is LTCnews.com. Uh, now, that website doesn't sell insurance. That is a resource, lots of good information, whether you are a family in crisis looking to figure out how do we take care of mom or dad or whomever, or you're looking for planning. So those would be the places. Um, all my contact information's on, on my website. Uh, RadioLTC.com, and I am licensed nationwide and in the District of Columbia. That was a lot. So much good information there. To summarize, in general, we're all living longer, and the majority of us will end up needing some kind of long-term care. Long-term care includes everything from custodial support to keep you in your home, to assisted living, to nursing homes. It also includes respite support for caregivers and more. Long-term care can get really expensive. You need to plan ahead for the finances of it all. Insurance is available for long-term care and is usually purchased individually, not through your employer. The younger and healthier you are when you purchase insurance, the lower your premiums. Some countries and states are requiring long-term care insurance now, and more are considering making it a requirement in the future. I'll put links to Matt McCann's websites and the other things that we referenced in the show notes. You can get those and the transcript of this episode on dyingkindness.com. You can also go there to get other resources. And if you want to support what I'm doing, you can do that there too. The music is by Blue Dot Sessions. Everything else was done by me. I'm Sienna Stewart, and I'm going to die someday, but hopefully not before I find an assisted living place that has its own scuba shop. Today's death reading is When Great Trees Fall by Maya Angelou.
from the Complete Poetry Collection from Random House. When great trees fall, rocks on distant hills shudder, lions hunker down in tall grasses, and even elephants lumber after safety. When great trees fall in forests, small things recoil into silence, their senses eroded beyond fear. When great souls die, the air around us becomes light, rare, sterile. We breathe briefly. Our eyes briefly see with a hurtful clarity. Our memory, suddenly sharpened, examines, gnaws on kind words unsaid, promised walks never taken. Great souls die and our reality bound to them takes leave of us. Our souls, dependent upon their nurture, now shrink, wizened. Our minds, formed and informed by their radiance, fall away. We are not so much maddened as reduced to the unutterable ignorance of dark, cold caves. And when great souls die, after a period peace blooms, slowly and always, irregularly, spaces fill with a kind of soothing electric vibration. Our senses, restored never to be the same, whisper to us. They existed. They existed. We can be. Be and be better. For they existed. <laughs>